The following audio is from White River Christian Church. More information about White River is available on the WRCC mobile app or at wrcc.org. Well, good morning. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and call it what it is, right? Philip's got a busted pipe at home. Uh, Chris has had a week. Uh, my sweet girl's on a knee scooter because she had surgery this past week. And I feel like every day this past week, I've been distracted. And uh, this morning, as we come in here to worship Jesus, I'm just going to be straight honest with you. We're going to punch, we're going to punch Satan in the face this morning, all right? Because I'm done. I'm done with it. I'm done. I really am. Like, I'm done with him, okay? Because this has been a week, and, uh, and I'm, I'm over it. And so uh, I've been thinking about that the entire time we were singing, and uh, I know that might seem like a little bit of a violent thought, but uh, I'm all in on that one, all right? So uh, I'm going to pray for us because I need it this morning. Uh, and then we're going to jump into uh, our one-hit wonder for today. So let's pray. Holy Spirit, we need you this morning. We need you uh, to open our hearts to hear what you have to say. We need you to refocus our minds uh, on that which is utmost importance. We need you to help us understand what Scripture is trying to tell us this morning. And so right now, I just ask, Holy Spirit, that you would speak. I pray that you would give me the words to fearlessly make known the gospel. I pray, God, that you would move in our hearts. And I pray that you'd be glorified through our time in your word this morning. We pray these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Time's, time's a funny thing, okay? And I, I remember the first time I thought that. It was about two years removed from college. I had returned home uh, as typical college kids do. And uh, we had gone out to dinner uh, with my family. And we had gone to this specific restaurant. And as we walked in, you know, I was kind of surveying the, the restaurant as I typically do. And I saw a table of three of my buddies who I had known since first grade. And, uh, you know, it was one of those moments where, like, I hadn't seen them in a long time. I was excited to see them. And I walked up to the table. I realized that two of them were sitting on one side of the booth, and one was sitting on the opposite. And the one that was sitting on the opposite was sitting by himself for a reason. Because at some point in time, um, he had changed quite a bit physically, right? As I walk around the booth and I look over at him, uh, he is probably three times the size he was last time I saw him. And not because uh, of the things that he'd been eating, but because the way he'd been working out. Like he was jacked, right? (laughs) And not just was he jacked, but he's also like, you know, one of those really big bodybuilder dudes that wears like the Gold's Gym uh, tank tops that I don't even know if you can call a tank top, right? Like, it like, it's like material here, but then like, it's just like a strip all the way back. You know, like, I think you call that spaghetti string ladies. But anyways, like, and, and like he's sitting there and I mean, the amount of food the guy had in front of him, I'm like, what, what happened to you? Right? And he's like, well, I became a, a bodybuilder. And I'm like, apparently, right? Like, I hope that you're showing somebody that, well, you are right now because, you know, the whole restaurant can see your entire body. But anyways. I just remember being like, what? what happened to you, Adam? And he's like, I've just been really focused on bodybuilding for the last two years. And, and I just had not seen him. And so the, the look, I mean, I was shocked at what he looked like. I remember sitting down and eating. And as I was eating, I kept looking over and like, what, what is going on? And um, I'll never forget this. He got ready to leave the restaurant. And there's a single doorway to get out of the restaurant. And, and I'm not kidding. As he walked towards the doorway, he like did this. To like go through the front door. I'm like, what? <laughs> I'll never experience that, right? Like, 
That's just not going to look at me, okay? It's not going to happen, right? I was shocked. And the amount, and I started to think about this amount of time. Man, time is a funny thing, right? The the amount of time and dedication, uh, the things to which he had to do, the the things he had to eat, the ways he was working out, who knows what else he was putting in his body, right? But he was committed to the time to change his body drastically. And and this morning what I want to do is I want to talk about uh, our commitment to time to change drastically. Because the letter we're going to read, our one-hit wonder this morning, is 3 John. Uh, last week we looked at 2 John. We're looking at 3 John, so if you want to turn there, you can. But in 3 John, uh, we see a, a letter that is personal. Right? This is probably more personal than any letter that we have. Um, it is uh, directly from John and to a man named Gaius. Uh, And it's apparent in this that Gaius has committed some time to what Andrew preached about last week, which was the truth. And so here's how the book starts. This letter is from John the Elder. I'm writing to Gaius, my dear friend, whom I love in the truth. Dear friend, I hope all is well with you and that you are as healthy in body as you are strong in spirit. I read this as as I was preparing uh, probably about a month ago and I'd opened it up and started to read it. And I read that first line and it just jumped out of the page to me. Like, I hope you are as healthy in body as you're strong in spirit. And I started to think about like, what what would that take um, for us to be as healthy and as strong? And I started to think even, even deeper about it. Like, what if, what if your spiritual life And the health of your spiritual life was mimicked or mirrored in your physical health. What if our spiritual lives, let's just say, like, you know, let's just pretend here for a second. This again, this is my mind. I know you're going to start thinking I'm crazy. But anyways, as you walk through the door of the church in the morning, that your physical health is transformed into what your spiritual health has been this past week. Like, I don't know if you'd walk in uh, looking like either of these two guys. I, I put a picture up here because maybe you would walk in looking like The Rock, right? Like your spiritual health is locked in, right? <laughs> like it was great this past week. Or maybe you would walk in a little bit more like Steve Urkel. Like it wasn't that great this past week. I'm going to be honest with you, right? I didn't really crack my Bible. I didn't spend too much time praying. And listen, this is not like a legalistic question. This is a mental exercise, okay? If you got transformed, which would you look more like as a, as a result of the time and attention you paid to your spiritual life this past week? Think about that for a second. If, if, our, if our spiritual lives was mimicked by our physical presence, because John knows Gaius. John has heard about Gaius. And, and, and he, is, he is literally saying, I hope you're as healthy in body as you are strong in spirit. Because his spirit is strong. His spirit is strong. He's using his spirit as the example, not his physical health as you know, and I started thinking about this past week. I mean, how many of us, I know some of you in this room uh, pretty well, and I know you get up at like 4.30 in the morning to go work out. I don't know why, but, right? Like 4.30 in the morning and you're going to the gym to work out. 
I've had lunch with some of you. Some of you are dedicated and dedicating time to like meal prep, to eating healthy. Listen, I think one of the reasons I was kind of messed up coming in this morning is because I did not eat healthy yesterday, okay? I've been blessed with metabolism um, that a lot of people hate me for, right? Like I love Taco Bell and I still eat it regularly, right? You got to have a good metabolism if you're eating that stuff. But I see some of you, like, you're committing time to what you're eating. You're committing time to your physical health. But how much time are you committing to being strong in spirit? I ask myself that same question. How much time do I commit? I would love to say that I have this dad bod because I'm so strong in my spirit. It's probably not completely it, Right? But how strong in spirit are you? What if your physical health represented your spiritual health? Because what I hear John saying to Gaius this morning is that we are called to be strong in spirit. To have strength in our spirit first and foremost. And we know that. We know that because uh, we're told this in 1 Timothy 4.8. I would love to say this is the reason I don't work out, but it's not. Um, Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits in this life and the life to come. Listen, of course, we're supposed to take care of our bodies. I I understand that. God desires us to take care of this body because it's a temple. But at the end of the day, if all we're doing is taking care of this and not our spirit, we're missing the boat. God has a desire for your spirit to be strong as well. And as we look at this and want us to be encouraged by Gaius, he continues uh, in verse three. Some of the traveling teachers recently returned and may be very happy by telling me about your faithfulness and that you are living according to the truth. I could have no greater joy than to hear that my children are following the truth. Dear friend, you are being faithful to God when you care for the traveling teachers who pass through, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church here of your loving friendship. Please continue providing for such teachers in a manner that pleases God. For they are traveling for the Lord and they accept nothing from the people who are not believers. So we ourselves support them so that we can be their partners as they teach the truth. You see, the reason that John is is actually asking this and hoping, hey, I hope your physical health is as strong as your spiritual is because he's heard about Gaius. Listen, there's been some traveling teachers. At this time, they didn't have the word of God like you and I do. They didn't walk in the church where, I, I mean, I got like five of these at home and I got two in my office. They didn't have that. And so teachers would travel around and tell the stories of God's word and of the good news of Jesus. And as they traveled, they didn't want to take anything from somebody who didn't know Jesus that wasn't a believer or Christ follower. And so they traveled depending on people who are also Christ followers to house them, to feed them, and to care for them. And as Gaius has done this faithfully because of his spirit being strong in the Lord, uh, those, the word has gotten back to John like, hey, this, is, this, this guy, I keep hearing about him. You know, it makes, it makes you wonder for a second, like, I asked this question myself this past week. Like, how am I talked about when I'm not in the room? Because when, when Gaius isn't in the room, it's very obvious 
that he's strong in spirit and that he's serving the Lord. Because there's people talking about the, the kind of acts he's doing, the good that he's doing for the kingdom. And, and so this is traveled back to John, and John is encouraged. In fact, John even says, I could have no greater joy than to hear that my children are following the truth. Because you see, when, when you and I, when we're strong in spirit, it's not only a testimony to God and the Holy Spirit's work in our life, but it's also a testimony to those who've invested in us. It's a testimony to those uh, who have discipled us, come alongside of us, who've prayed for us. I started to think about that, and I started to think of a former student I had. And in high school, when I was my first role in Memphis, um, he was one of those kids that didn't really have, do a lot of extracurricular activities. And so he would just show up at church. Like he would finish school and he would drive to the church. And oftentimes um, when I would get back from meetings in the afternoon, he'd be in my office working on something for our student ministry. Like he loved videos and he was unbelievable at putting them together. And so he would just be I'm putting together a new video for us. I'm like, what? He said, well, I took video last week. I'm like, okay, sweet, go right ahead, right? Like, and, and he would just do that. And so he'd be in my office. And so it was, it was pretty easy to invest in him because he was, he was there. Well, we would open the Bible, we'd talk about, he would ask me questions uh, about sharing Jesus with his friends. We would just, I, I truly, we just sat there and I would disciple him in that room. And my hope is, is that you've had somebody who you've discipled along the way in your life that when things go well with them, when they're strong in spirit, that, that it brings you great joy. Let me say this for a second. Let me just pause. Hey, we want to be a discipling church. We want you, we desire as, as staff, as pastors, as your leaders, for you to be discipling somebody else. Now, I know you're probably like, oh, that's, that's, that's tough, Lance. That's a big word. Right, what's that mean? Uh, it means walking with somebody else as they try to understand Jesus in a greater way. Sometimes that means opening up the Bible uh, and reading it together and trying to ask questions and answer them together. Sometimes that means sitting on your back porch with somebody who just lost someone close in their life and just being there for them every step of the way and praying for them. All right, my sweet girl, um, she rides the bus to school used to. She's got a cast now, so that doesn't happen. Dad, she daddy wagon now. All right, and, uh, and I'm about over that one. Um, but anyways, she was riding the bus for a while, and she, she told me, she said, hey, Dad, um, this little girl and I, we're, we're, we're reading the Bible to a kid on our bus. And I'm like, what? <laughs> well, this little boy, he... he He's in our, on our bus and he keeps getting in trouble at school. And so my friend just asked me if I'd be willing to help her and like read stories and help him know the word of God better. <laughs> what? You're nine, you know? Like, thanks for putting daddy in his place. They're, they're literally re they're, they've been reading scripture to this boy and trying to help him understand who Jesus is on the school bus. I don't even know if that's legal. going to get kicked off the bus, right? <laughs> I'd be all right with that, by the way. Right? Like, who are you deciding? I'll tell you, where that student is today, it, he has the job that I had when he was a student. He's the senior high pastor at that church right now. You want to tell, tell you how much joy I have when I see him leading? 
when I see videos of him talking to his students uh, on social media, that that's the kind of joy. Because you see, when, when you and I, when we disciple, when we come into somebody else's life and try to help them understand Jesus greater, you and I grow strong in our spirit. I'm telling you what, it's the greatest blessing ever. I, I'm talking about my daughter too much this morning. She had a cast on, her toes are still hurting a little bit from the surgery she had. And she's like, Dad, I don't know if I can go to the twos. What if one of them steps on my foot? I said, well, that's, I mean, they're two, two-year-olds, right? Like, there's a good possibility you might have multiple things happen to you in there, right? <laughs> she said, well, what am I going to do at 9 o'clock this morning? And this morning, she's like, you know, I, I still want to be able to surf. She's somewhere in this building sorting stuff and cutting stuff for elementary. Why? Because her spirit gets stronger when she jumps in and disciples and she, she serves and she does good. So if you're not serving, I'll just go ahead and give you this plug right now. If you're not serving, you're missing out on a part of strengthening your spirit. If you're not discipling, you're missing out on strengthening your own spirit. I'm gonna move on. But I need you to know that this morning. It brings me great, great joy when I hear about how my former students leading ministry in Memphis. Mm, that's good. All right, let's keep reading. Uh, he's, so he, you have Gaius, who has John's cotton word of Gaius, that he is doing good, that, that good things are coming back. Now, we're gonna jump into a contrast because John does. He says this, I wrote to the church about this, but Diotrephes, who loves to be the leader, refuses to have anything to do with us. And when I come, I will report some of the things that he is doing and the evil accusations he's making against us. Not only does he refuse to welcome the teaching travelers, he also tells others not to help them. And when they do help, he puts them out of the church. All right, so you have Gaius here who is, is doing good, who's strong in spirit, who John is hearing good things about from the traveling teachers. And then you have, on the opposite hand, Diotrephes. Now here's the, here's the deal. They both claim to follow Jesus. They both claim to be Christians. And John says, I've already written the church about Diotrephes because you know what? He loves to be the leader. He loves to be right. He doesn't let anybody, and he does it himself, house the traveling teachers. And in fact, if somebody does and he figures out he does, they do, he puts them out of the church. He excommunicates them. That's the big word we use. He puts them out of the church. It's, it's the exact opposite of everything he just commended Gaius for. And why is, why is he telling this to Gaius? Because he can be just as influenced by Diotrephes as he can be anybody else. And, and the truth of it for you and I is this, that there's leaders in the church that can influence you in the wrong direction. There's leaders in the church that, that you and I have to be able to discern whether they're worth following. I'm one of them. And the question is, does, does you know, I just find this ironic. This is John writing to Gaius, the one who has all authority to be able to excommunicate or kick diatrophies out of the church. He's writing and talking about how Diotrephes is doing the very thing that he could and has the authority to do. And yet John doesn't. 
Why? Because John gets grace. John's a leader worth following. Because John is strong in spirit. Because John's like Gaius. He, he actually is strong in spirit. And so he's not threatened by other leaders in the church and other traveling teachers and preachers. What John is trying to make sure he understands this is this. You can, you can see whether or not somebody is strong in spirit and a leader worth following because strength in spirit produces humble service. Strength in spirit does not produce prideful leadership. See, Diotrephes is a prideful leader. It's my way or the highway. If you want to try to help them, you're going to be, you're out. And Gaius, he needed to understand that he needed to be reiterated this to him. And John does. John's telling him, hey, I need you to understand that this is not the guy that you want to follow. Not only uh, is he love leading and refuse to have anything to do with us, but he's also talking evil. He's saying evil accusations about us and those whom we're sending out. And that's just not someone who is loving us well, who's a brother or sister in Christ. He's telling Gaius, there's something that you're worth imitating, okay? And, and verse 11 says this, dear friends, don't, dear friend, don't let us don't let, excuse me, don't let this bad example influence you. The NIV says, don't imitate such evil. Don't, don't, don't be that. You're on a right path. Don't be distracted by something else. Don't, don't be tempted by that prideful leadership. Continue in the humble service that you've been in. I don't know if you, that rings any bells or sounds any thing like somebody else that we know. Someone else we're encouraged to be like in Philippians chapter two. Verse three says this, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges and he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. Listen, he humbled himself even to the point of a cross. We have a leader. We have someone who we can look at who's strong in spirit because he showed us what it looks like to produce humble service. John understood that and was living that out, was encouraging Gaius who was living it out, but maybe a little bit confused because he goes on and he says this in John, or third John, follow only what is good. Remember that those who do good prove that they are God's children and those who do evil prove that they do not know God. Everyone speaks highly of Demetrius as does the truth itself. We ourselves can say the same for him and you know that, that we speak the truth. I said, I, I, so here's Diotrephes, and, and so he kind of says, hey, you know, guess you're doing a great job of this. And I want you to keep doing this. I want you to keep being strong in spirit. Here's a guy who's not Diotrephes. He is a prideful leader. And then, oh, by the way, there's one other guy in the church around you that's actually doing this well too. His name is Demetrius. And you know what? Demetrius is spoken well of when he's not in the room as well. 
Demetrius is, is the real deal. And Demetrius is somebody who is worth mimicking, coming alongside of, learning from, being discipled by. And John's trying to make it very clear that our strength and spirit is a big deal. And so if Demetrius is this guy who's worth imitating, Diotrephes is not, it kind of begs the question of us, where do we fall? Now guys, I look at this letter and I think, why is 3 John in scripture for you and I? What do we read and what do we hear? And, And the question that resounded in my mind this past week is, am I worth imitating? Am I worth imitating? So the past couple of years, I've had a note card that's been on my mirror. And anyone who's come to visit our house has always asked, what does that mean? It's one question. And you're not going to find it in scripture. It says this, are you the real McCoy? And it came from a, a story I heard in a sermon. And so I'm just going to share the story with you this morning. And I'm going to tie it in. In May 2nd, 1844, young Elijah McCoy was born in Ontario, Canada. He grew up in a family of slaves that worked in Kentucky. Now, in fact, they actually escaped through the Underground Railroad and headed north. And when they got out far enough, uh, Elijah was this brilliant kid. And so his parents actually sent him away. They actually sent him at that point to Scotland to be educated because they knew he'd have better opportunity to get educated there than here in the United States. And so he goes away, he's educated. Elijah was a bright kid. And so he becomes this mechanical engineer. And he returns back home to his parents that are in Michigan. And at that time, uh, the Michigan, oh gosh, I'm going to forget the name of it. Let me look it up real quick. The the Michigan, because I'm not great at this, Michigan Central Railroad was a huge deal. This is an industrialization of the United States. And so the railroads were a massive deal. But because of his color and the racial climate at the time, he couldn't get a job as a mechanical engineer in the United States. So he took a job as an oilman. You see, the trains at that time, they would go a few miles down the road and then they'd have to slow to a stop so that uh, the oilman could jump off, oil each of the wheels and jump back on to go a few more miles and do the same thing. It was the one thing that was said to keep the profit of the railroad at a minimum because it just was costing so much for them to, to move a train down the tracks because these oilmen had to jump off and get back on. And so as Elijah's doing this and it, with his degree that he has and the, and the brains that God's given him, he's like, he, get, he designs this, this tool, this mechanism. And he calls it uh, the McCoy lubricative cup. And the, and the thing was designed to just drip oil onto the wheels as the train went down the track so that the oilman didn't have to jump off. And in fact, he, he like defined this thing so, so tooth and nail, I mean, all the way down to the last ever little bit of it and then patented it and then started selling it. And all of a sudden, the railroads and all the train operators, the owners were buying this lubricative cup, the McCoy lubricative cup. In fact, so much so that when they would go in, well, you know what happens when somebody makes something awesome, everybody mimics it and doesn't do it as well, right? And so all of a sudden these frauds started getting made. These 
lubricative cups that were just as good as a McCoy one, but weren't. And it begged the question when somebody would come to find one, is this a counterfeit or is this the real McCoy? That's where it comes from. And so I put the question on my mirror. Right before I wake my kids up, I got to ask, my, ask this question every morning. Am I the real McCoy? Do I have strength and spirit that's worthy of imitating? John was the real McCoy. Gaius was the real McCoy. Demetrius was the real McCoy. The question you and I have to answer is, are we the real McCoy? Let me pray for us. Jesus I pray that very thing for us today. I pray that we would be the real McCoy when it comes to our strength and spirit, to our devotion to to following to you, to imitating the humility and the service that you, Jesus, modeled for us when you came to earth, when you lived a sinful life, serving us, not pridefully leading, but humbly serving those around you, those who were the least of these taking a group of teenage boys that didn't know better and discipling them. Well, we, we want to imitate those things. We want to be like you, Jesus, but we're gonna need your Holy Spirit because our flesh says we wanna be about us. Well, our spirit says we wanna be about you. And so this week, I pray that we would punch Satan in the face we would get serious about our spirit, that we would devote time to being with you, to reading your word, to discipling others, to praying for those who don't know you, for praying for the impact that we could have in this room on this earth, for your kingdom to come. Holy Spirit, help us to be strong in spirit this week. Jesus, we give you all the honor and glory and thank you for being strong in spirit even to death on a cross. It's in your name we pray. Amen.